0: Hello, time travelers. And Veronica. Hello, Veronica.
1: Hello there, John.
0: Oh, Veronica, are you doing a British accent like from the the movie we watched, Veronica?
1: No, this is my normal accent. What are you, what are you, are you taking a piss?
0: Well, I thought, Veronica, that we were just doing stuff for the movie. Like, Veronica, I'm doing that thing that Michael Caine does in this movie, Veronica, where he just says the person he's trying to intimidate's name over and over again, Veronica.
1: Oh, I... Oh no, this is just offensive. Did you never notice my accent before? Is this, are you doing this for a laugh?
0: (laughs) Are you doing Ricky Gervais doing a character?
1: Who knows? Two, two. You know, quality, quality stuff.
0: Last week, I I thought I thought our opening sounded scripted, and I'm gonna say this week I didn't feel that. No. <laughs> this This week had a had a distinctly looser, more improvised feel.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I I don't know if our listeners know that we have extensive background in improv comedy.
0: <laughs> I think. Probably nearly every listener we have has performed improv comedy with at least one of us, so probably.
1: Oh, wow. Hi, and sorry.
0: And sorry for the erasure of all of our our, our, our better listeners who are not comedians.
1: Exactly. Don't worry. We'll perform improv with you if you want us to.
0: And to our comedian uh, listeners, when I said the other ones were better, that was just me kidding. And as comedians, you know, we kid because we love
1: Yes, and again for our non-comedian listeners, we were just saying that to our comedian listeners, you're clearly the better listeners.
0: I think I think we've covered all our bases.
1: Okay, good. Phew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this we're we're like Disney writing Rise of Skywalker. We're, we'll make everyone happy. <laughs> it definitely do, won't backfire.
1: I do not understand that reference, and I will not <laughs> respond to it. Rest in peace, Jessica Walter. Timely.
0: Oh my God. Timely. We're time travelers. Fuck. This is box office time machine. I'm John Bereshad. <laughs>
1: I'm Veronica Rowski.
0: Um, And uh, uh, we're going to be talking about Get Carter from 1971. I'll just say that now. Um, but perhaps the reason we're loopy, I'm going to blame it on this. It's not true. We're loopy because we're just doing a bad job tonight. But maybe it's because speaking of time and history and historic movies, it's a, we're a part of history today because, Veronica, you and I both got The COVID vaccine a few hours ago.
1: We did. Yay. Thank you, Pfizer.
0: (laughs) We both got Pfizer. That was on purpose. We fucking hate Moderna. Everyone knows that we talk about it every week. Yeah.
1: We are the rare people who despise Dolly Parton, which is why we went with Moderna.
0: I thought you were going to say one of the, the rare people who despise large pharmaceutical companies. And I was like, I don't think that's rare. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we we got it a, a few hours ago not together we were in different boroughs uh yeah. how, how was things up in queens
1: uh they were i mean i guess i will just say that you don't really realize how big queens is until you have to take a 40 minute bus ride after you get off the train to get to where you're going
0: well yeah you don't realize how big the javits center is until uh, you are walking around its cavernous giant halls, um, uh, looking up and, and imagining. A, I can't think of that place without thinking of the election night in 2016.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask whether you ran into any sad Hillary Clinton supporters or Comic Con cosplayers, it's, <laughs> which are the two things that I associate the Javits Center with.
0: I saw a lot of Comic Con cosplayers <laughs> cosplaying as uh, Hillary Clinton supporters. Wow. It and
1: was. Were great. They- Were they also cosplaying as nurses that gave you the vaccine?
0: I hope not. I hope that was the real deal. (laughs) But I will say, you know what? Forget that. This is my new memory. This is my new memory of the Javits Center, not the failure of the Hillary Clinton campaign. It is instead the success of, obviously, Operation Warp Speed, all thanks to Donald Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump saved our lives great great covid response we are not rewriting history that's what happened he did a good
1: job yes exactly no other words necessary <laughs> <laughs>
0: um uh feeling loopy uh no i i feel i feel fine any side effects over there
1: no i i barely felt the jab I feel like any ache that I've had has been mostly psychosomatic. Uh, So I'm feeling good. I hear the second dose is a bummer though Mm -hmm. sometimes. So we'll see.
0: uh, uh, I went to the gym this morning and i'm so out of shape so i realized wow. my arms are so sore anyway that i'm not even going <laughs> to know if i felt if did i you, i'm sore from the shot
1: did you go to the gym to impress the nurse when you take off your oh yeah i was shirt. trying to get
0: like a good <laughs> bicep going i actually went to the gym 5 minutes before i went i went i found the nearest gym to the Javits center i pounded some iron and then i went up there just so i have like good like veins popping.
1: Is that like the equivalent of like using a fluffer or something? Like yeah. Right before and I also scene? got a hand job. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I mean, two things you can probably find in the proximity of Javits Center. <laughs> hey,
0: Hudson Yard, it's a beautiful place to go get a hand and job exactly. and then climb that ugly bee's nest thing and kill yourself.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. Apparently, that's what they say. Though the High Line is nice. Go enjoy the highlight.
0: highlight is nice. Um, you can go uh, see the corpse of the UCB theater.
1: Oh, God. Sad, sad days. I will say that uh, the fun thing about getting a vaccine is that I wrote a script to auto-refresh the site so that... Uh, And then auto click on the first appointment that it finds, which is how I got my vaccine. Yeah. So I felt insanely proud of myself.
0: In case you're curious, if um, uh, either Veronica or I have some uh, secret comorbidity, we do not. We made these appointments. Mm -hmm. Uh, I made mine yesterday. You made yours today.
1: Yes, I made mine today. Two hours prior to me needing to be in the site, so I left almost immediately to go there. Yeah, so, yeah, you
0: used a computer script to do it, and I just hit refresh for thirty minutes the moment they made the announcement. Like, because you're a smarty pants, and I'm a Neanderthal just pounding the keyboard. <laughs> this I I shouldn't have brought. This is just now us bragging to all of our, all of our friends who listen to this and have spent the day trying to get through on that
1: website yes i'm sorry we suck but also i if you want i can help you get the vaccine so like hit me up if you know me personally All or right. maybe write a nice note and yeah, maybe I'll she, do she it made anyway. a script
0: it's it's uh, very nice and it's now effective. um uh, veronica and i are totally clear and easy i i didn't read the fine print but i think we now uh can't get the vaccine so we're going to talk about a movie tonight and then veronica yes. and i are going to a big warehouse rave later
1: Yes, it's very exciting. There's going to be a lot of kissing. So, looking forward to that.
0: There it's not even there's not even any music playing and nothing beyond kissing. It's just a big kiss party.
1: It's just kissing and maybe sneezing in other people's faces.
0: <laughs> that's unrelated you just think that's <laughs> inevitable
1: i i also find it entirely too sexy so
0: oh <laughs> uh, cool this is not the podcast where we brag about getting life-saving medicine this Sadly. is in fact the podcast where we
1: watch uh,
0: <laughs> the number one movie at the box office either from the current weekend or If theaters don't exist anymore, from a weekend long in the past, and this time we went to this weekend, uh, end of March, uh, end of March weekend from 50 years ago, 1971's Get Carter.
1: Get Carter, yeah. Well, we should preface this by saying that the source that we use for any like (laughs) pre-1980s box office stats is kind of lacking. Uh, and not super transparent so this movie might not actually have been number one in the box office but as far as we know it was so in case it wasn't let us know and we will apologize in the following
0: podcast (laughs) if you released a movie in 1971 at this time that sold more tickets please get back to us and we will issue a full apology
1: exactly on the front pages of our twitter profiles
0: (laughs) on the front pages of the full printed newspaper that we print out weekly to promote this podcast uh if you haven't subscribed yet to the weekly standard tribune uh that's the name of our paper
1: that's our newspaper.
0: Yeah, the paper the paper name does not mention the podcast. It's not good promotion. It takes a no. lot of effort on our part.
1: Yeah, but we just love the news we and promoting the our news. podcast.
0: <laughs> um, Veronica, what do we use for our box office stats?
1: Uh, I think so. Usually we use box office mojo, yeah. like normal people. We're not animals. <laughs> uh, but we use this thing called playback.tv. I believe uh, it's definitely playback. I'm not sure if it's dot TV now that I think of it. But they have a feature where it's like, what is the number one movie at the box office on the day I was born? Oh. And And uh, so that's where we get it yeah, from. Yeah, that
0: does not sound reliable.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, so,
0: <laughs> so, no, it's fine. It's a, It wasn't recorded in the way it was today. This site said it was number one. The only reason we're bringing this up is that we did research on the movie before doing this uh, recording. And all the research is like, it was a commercial failure. And we're like, wait a minute. But that being said, the very first episode we did of this show was of The Predator. And while it was number one that weekend, no one would call that a commercial or critical success
1: that's very true so you know this might have been the predator of its time (laughs) i guess spoiler alert i will say that this is better than predator
0: whoa low bar cleared (laughs) you know what let's just do our grade off the bat we accidentally you accidentally saw my letterbox uh rating already uh we're getting better at that i didn't have a letterbox last time we were doing this show um but so you've already acknowledged that we probably have different opinions. So let's hear these grades. Three, two, one, B. B minus. Huh.
1: Alright, so like a solid letter grade difference, okay. I guess.
0: Wait, did you yeah. say did you say B minus?
1: I said B minus. So yeah. I guess like B plus, that's a letter total. No, one I would say grade. A
0: minus is a full letter grade above. All right.
1: Well, I am somewhere between C plus and a B minus. Do you want to uh, just
0: jump down to C plus just so you can say that you're a full letter grade below?
1: Sure. Or B, C <laughs> is what my college used to do. So my college did not have minuses or pluses. They just had one in between grade.
0: Oh, how dickish.
1: Yeah, I guess I don't know. It, it was fine.
0: <laughs> um. So, for those of you that don't know, and it's, I feel so for movies that are very, still very well known, we don't really feel the need to do much of a plot synopsis. But this movie is fun because the plots, uh, we probably should do a bit of a plot synopsis, but also the plot is very complex. So, yes. I do not know. Let me try to do some broad strokes.
1: Yes. I'll just do the I, setup. I uh, feel like it's very complex, but on the other hand, you can also just sum it up very quickly because sure. I feel like the same thing happens over and over again.
0: Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, this is a, a revenge <laughs> uh, mystery crime thriller dealy. Uh Michael Caine. Uh,
1: Michael Caine. I'm not even going to
0: try. I can't. I can't do impressions. It would be silly for me to try. No one would like it.
1: Oh, Least I'm of all, sure Michael, someone, Sir
0: Michael Caine.
1: I'm sure some freak would like it. <laughs> don't sell oh, yourself short.
0: Do you think that's someone's fetish? Bad impressions?
1: Bad Michael Caine impressions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Sir Michael Caine, I think he's Sir. I don't even know. Michael Caine, Sir plays in our hearts. Jack Carter, who is a gangster, yeah, he's a, a an enforcer and killer. For a couple of gangsters in London called the Fletcher Brothers, and speaking of and brothers, the Fletcher
1: sister. No I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> speaking, Sorry, of, I
1: should stop interrupting.
0: interrupt. <laughs> uh, maybe we are loopy from the, the thing. Who knows? Um, speaking of uh, uh, speaking of brothers, Jack Carter's brother. Frank Carter has been killed and um, he was supposedly killed uh, by getting drunk and driving his car off his bridge in a supposed suicide. Thing is Frank didn't drink. He was the good Carter brother. But Jack Carter. He was the bad Carter brother and Mm -hmm. he's going back to his hometown in Newcastle to find out what the fuck happened with his brother and he is going to kill a lot of people. In pursuit of that uh, quest, indeed. And this movie, uh, we should say, um, starts. Uh, I believe it. lowered in my notes. Uh, just to get us into it, um, that might sound like a fun crime romp, like a fun and like I know I knew this movie mostly as like an inspiration to Tarantino and like Guy Ritchie's Lock, Stock movies right. and stuff, and those are very fun, silly movies. That is not what this is. And exactly. if you thought it was, uh, we get hardcore pornography 55 seconds into the movie.
1: Am and I right? wrong?
0: <laughs> that was a man's erect penis in a woman's mouth, right?
1: As far as I could tell, I didn't freeze frame. So I'm. <laughs> well,
0: it is freeze framed. We open the movie with a, a pair of grotesque criminals, the Fletcher brothers. Uh, just wa- watching porn, although uh, it's 1971, so they're just looking at um, a reel-to-reel of, or no, a projection thing of uh, photos. So and, you know, uh, it
1: was like the quality stuff because it was, was shot on film.
0: It was, I mean, it was hot. But I
1: also wasn't sure, and this might have been a thing I missed, but, like, based on later happenings in the movie, I wasn't sure whether this was, like, some sort of revenge porn, sort of non-consensual thing, people being forced into it kind of thing, or whether it was actually just, like, porn porn. You know what I mean? Um, Or whether they were, like, blackmailing someone or anything like
0: that. Oh, I think they did mentioned that they knew people in the photos i'm not sure i don't know how it's foreshadowing certainly that that pornography plays a huge uh role in the mystery but i don't know how relevant it is that those criminals knew what was going on because i don't know how involved they were with the pornography business that was happening in newcastle yes this is the complex I feel like the complex plot is not the way for us to dive into this, no. particularly for our, our listeners who I'm gonna guess mostly probably haven't watched this movie. I wanna start, uh, Veronica, why didn't why didn't you like this?
1: Well, so I am a big fan of Tarantino movies and uh Guy R- the I guess the early pre-revolver Guy Ritchie movies. <laughs> Though I did enjoy The Gentleman. Uh and um So I was maybe expecting something along those lines. So I will say that what I found... Uh, that i didn't like the most about this movie was the fact that i could not tell any of the bad guys apart like they all <laughs> they all looked and sounded the same to me i did not understand what his business was with a great many of them <laughs> until fairly late in the movie uh and yeah and also like there is nothing sort of distinguishable about any of them. To sort of bring an example from Guy Ritchie's movie, sort of uh, in Snatch, every character was unique. They each had their own goals. They were weird in specific ways. You could immediately tell them apart. Uh, and there were also idiots, which is the thing that I like most about crime movies, usually is how idiotic a bunch of the criminals were uh, were here they were mostly just villainous mean to each other and <laughs> sort of really indistinguishable from one another so i just found myself being semi-confused every time he went to a new person or was it a new person and i would just i don't know it, it was just the plot itself was not interesting to me uh, while there were some interesting set pieces, I guess, and fun stuff happening occasionally. Overall, I just, like, I, I kind of checked out in that movie fairly early due to this, <laughs> to be honest.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I How think we you? both we both had a misconception of what this movie was. Um, and I think we both expected the same thing. We both expected Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels' daddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... That is, from what I've read uh, in the really extensive Wikipedia research (laughs) that I did for this episode, literally the opposite of what what was intended with this movie. Um, This movie was based on a book with the name uh, Jack's Return Home. And basically, a few things were happening Um, in the 50s and 60s. Organized crime was becoming a bigger thing in uh, uh, England um, uh, there were the famous Cray Brothers, who uh, uh, your fave, uh, Bane himself, Tom Hardy, played in a movie recently. Whose oh, name I was
1: that the... Oh, Where he I, played
0: the twins.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I forget what that movie is called, but one of the fun things about that movie is that apparently Empire Magazine panned it. But so they gave it two stars, but the way that they depicted it on the poster made it seem like they gave it five stars. I do
0: Uh, remember that because everything else was like a a four or five star. And they had the two actors blocking the missing stars from the empire thing. The
1: supposedly (laughs) missing, but actually non-existent stars. Yeah. So that is literally the only thing that I remember about that movie. I think it's called legend. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess I would see it. Maybe that one is fun. <laughs> <Who
0: knows? laughs> well, so it's so funny nowadays to think of like gangsters and mobsters as being serious criminals, because mm-hmm. like in our minds, we're just like, that's not what serious, dangerous criminals look like. Serious, dangerous criminals are rich businessmen who are in penthouses and don't actually do The crime stuff. The dirty work, yeah. I'm not scared of, like, a Cockney guy or, like, a guy with a Brooklyn accent in an ill-fitting suit who's going to be like, (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to come into your business and push down the thing. I mean, to be fair, I don't own a small business. I've never been (laughs) hustled for protection money. I'm sure I would be very frightened if it happened. Not if you wore, like, a pinstripe suit and, like, a (laughs) little hat. Uh, That would... I would find that really cute and charming. I would give that guy money because it'd be fun. But at the time, at the time, this was like a serious issue. And they, so both the director, uh, who I believe the director found the book, or is that the producer? I might be wrong. One of them. Uh, And Michael Caine, who came on as a producer, really wanted to depict, like Michael Caine gave interviews where he's like... um, uh, in movies and uh, in movies, uh, criminals and and gangsters are always presented as stupid and funny. Mm. Basically, exactly what you wanted, Veronica. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. in reality, they're definitely not stupid, and they're definitely not f- and they're definitely not funny. That was Michael Caine's quote, and Michael Caine actually went through the script, which was already pretty dark, and took out anything charming that Jack Carter said <laughs> any pleasantries that he has for people because that's like one of the first big surprises I'm I'm watching this movie and I'm expecting to be like like Jack Carter yeah the guy's getting revenge for his brother's death. Jack Carter is a monster right. everyone else sucks too but he is a bad guy.
1: I feel like also the movie kind of starts off with that sort of a bit of a gallivanting James Bondy vibe with the it's sort of It's the opening credits. It's the yeah. music on
0: the opening credits.
1: Yeah, so you kind of are lulled into that. And I'm sure that was the intention of the filmmakers to sort of uh, make you think that this is what this is going to be and it's going to be some charming criminal or whatever. Instead, it is a monster who treats every human being, including (laughs) the three women in this movie, pretty atrociously.
0: The depiction of the women... I, I, ooh, I want to get to that in just a second. I'm trying to think of when we're gonna do the our uh uh this doesn't hold uh, this wouldn't play well oh, today. Okay. I That's think we fair. might move I think we might move that up because I don't know about you, but it's really just about the entire depiction of the women for but, sure. Um uh but so I enjoyed this movie. I found I found the mystery engaging. I did enjoy uh, – uh, I do enjoy that world of both um, early 70s, which is basically still late 60s, um, London and northern England. And I, I th- that type of like criminal atmosphere, I enjoyed that. But also, I don't mind a movie about a really terrible person. My least favorite type of movie is a movie about a really terrible person. That I get the feeling that the filmmakers don't doesn't realize that it's a story about a really terrible person. <laughs> that they think their character's like super cool. And the one thing I never thought with this movie was that the filmmakers thought Jack Carter was anything other than a monster. And I did find it interesting. I, I really enjoyed the various moments that they show him getting worse and worse. And everything that, like I I I am curious how. Uh, uh, how much of this was on purpose. But anytime they keep starting to do things that would make a character like this likable and relatable, the first thing, the first basic thing is that he gets like a young sidekick. He gets a a bartender who worked with his brother at at a bar he worked at to be like his sidekick to help him out. And you're like, cool, that's going to be Carter's fun sidekick. No, he uses that guy. He uses that guy. That guy gets kidnapped because of stuff Carter does. Carter refuses to go help him in any way. That kid gets the shit beat out of him. Carter goes to visit him only to get more information out of him. And then the kid, horribly beaten, starts yelling at him. That's the one scene also um, that we get the reveal that Carter's brother, the one he's avenging, hated him. He didn't even like him. No one likes Carter. So we get scenes like that, that I think are subverting the audience's expectations. Another one is one of the really reprehensible guys that Carter kills, Uh, this guy um, Brumby or Brimby.
1: Brumby, the slime machine Cliff thing. Brumby.
0: He throws him off a parking deck. And yeah. that could be it. It could be oh, just a fun kill. He threw him off the parking deck. But then the camera pans down to show that the, corp, the body landed on a car. And it didn't just land on a car. There, We hear a woman scream, there were people in that car. And then yeah. we see that the driver is clearly dead. And a young girl is hurt. We don't know if it's her corpse or not is being lifted out of the the back seat. So yeah. everything in this movie is like anything. Anytime we would enjoy the violence, and this the uh, the interviews I read did say that this was something they want. They wanted the violence to be as realistic as possible and mm-hmm. as unpleasant as possible. So they weren't going for something, and I respect it. I also totally get this is one where. I mean, there aren't that many movies where I'm like, how dare you not like that when you disagree. But this is one where I, like, more than any, totally get why you wouldn't like this. Because it's unpleasant.
1: I mean, I definitely get what the filmmaker was going for, but again, I can recognize it and I can also be like, yeah, this was still unpleasant and I did not really enjoy it. But I mostly didn't enjoy it because truly, like those men look exactly (laughs) like one another. So it's impossible to like, just follow the story.
0: I'm trying to think, my biggest problem was that there are three characters, okay. (laughs) Albert Swift is a character who's very important. They mention him once. Carter goes to the racetracks to see him. I only got from the Wikipedia synopsis that he is there but runs away. Instead, uh, Carter finds Eric, who's a more important right. character. But then later in the movie, he goes to see Albert Swift. And Albert Swift, that is one guy who looks identical to the guy who gets uh, a, his uh, the daughter's drink poured on him at the beginning of the movie. But those are different characters. I looked it up.
1: Right. But also, he kind of looks like the Eric dude I never... The only one that I could really tell apart was the guy with the facial hair, which I guess was... Kinnear? Kinnear. That was the only one. Everyone else... But also, I didn't understand like that the goons that come in halfway through the movie driving up the bridge are actually Fletcher goons who are there to get him back because they're like, you're investing too much time in this. You're going to get us into trouble or whatever. I did not... like. I don't know. Maybe I kind of zoned out on the movie that's also totally entirely possible but it also just felt that these were just people who were not like the movie really wanted to depict violence and the movie didn't really care about the rest of the stuff (laughs) so it was like okay so we want all of this is going to be super realistic and we might use some shorthand but there was a lot of shorthand in the plot to me that that there seemed to be a lot of care being taken into depicting the violence, as opposed to actually creating engaging characters that you would be interested in. I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I'll agree with you there uh, to an extent. I do think they clearly cared much more about like setting up expectations of the audience about Jack being redeemable in any way, and then subverting them. Um, they cared about that much more than the mystery and yeah. you can tell from what i read about what they cut from the book all first off apparently in the book i i think it's possible jack doesn't die at the end at the very least it it happens differently Spoilers: jack's killed by a sniper um oh. <laughs> which is an ending that i really like and does yeah it d-
1: i wanted him to home. die
0: <laughs> yeah and it drives home that it, this whole thing was useless people told him not to do this he did it everyone died and then he died useless his brother wouldn't have wanted him to do this useless um right. so i did like that but then also the book has flashbacks to jack growing up with his brother um and then also flashbacks to Jack working with Eric when they were younger, um, and also building more about the relationship with Jack and Anna, which or uh, which I will I do. We'll get that that might, <laughs> mighty pin in the the women uh, <laughs> column. We'll get there soon. Um, but like all of those things, they do make Jack seem more brutal because he's just this force. And also like I loved where the reveal that his brother actually hated him appears. And it's also when we get the implication that his niece might actually be his daughter because he just fucked his uh, uh, (laughs) brother's girlfriend or wife because he's an asshole and he hurts everyone. Um, So,
1: to be fair, his brother also cheated on his wife. Yeah, everyone was... (laughs) I
0: I don't know, was his wife gone? We We never found out what was up with the wife.
1: I think it's implied that she died. Yeah, because because he says that uh, Margaret, uh, the mistress, was sort of like a mother figure to Do- Doreen. Yeah, who she was, was the, the closest. Daughter. Yeah, the closest
0: to a mother, which makes the the eventual twist to the mi- mi- uh, mystery that much darker. But, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> and that's also that's a shift that we could talk a little bit. I did some research on the. Uh, 2000 remake starring sylvester stallone they give uh the brother a uh, wife that um the stallone character who i think is definitely ch- changed to be more likable in the remake like oh, has sure. like meets he also rachel lee cook is the daughter it, it's definitely just wow. his niece
1: but anyway does she descend down a scare- staircase in a slow motion <laughs> she
0: does and she looks beautiful well, she's I gonna be Tom be-
1: queen <laughs> I would be very curious to actually hear about that sequel, because or the remake, because it seems to make no sense for it Let, to exist in what I know about it.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk about that in a little bit. That's our our second big pin. But so by cutting out those flashbacks, while well, you do lose any humanizing um, features in Jack, and for all I know in the book, even in the flashbacks, he's a monster. I don't know, I haven't read it. But you do. It does make the mystery a little harder. Like. Um, fast forward a minute, if you don't want to hear hear the mystery, what it basically is. But what eventually happens is what the reveal is, is that, um, uh, uh, a, a gang, a gangland, a crime boss in Newcastle, uh, made homemade porn, homemade porn and got a, a woman, to pick up young girls to be in the movies with him. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, if you will, but much, <laughs> she's definitely not uh, allowed in the house and treated nicely by Kinnear. Um, no. So maybe that's a bad example. But um, but so it turns out that woman is the woman who was dating um, Jack's brother, and she ended up pimping out Jack's uh, brother's sister. Uh, sorry, daughter. Jack's brother's daughter. Yes. Jack's brother found the porn movie with his underage daughter in it, freaked out. Apparently and- he
1: was shown the porn by Brimby. Oh, you're right. Sorry. To get a he- rise out of him so that he would kill Eric.
0: Yes. The guy Cliff, Cliff Brimby, wanted some- was in a business dispute... Uh, A crime land business dispute with Kinnear, the guy who made the porn, and tried and purposefully showed Jack's brother the porn to get him to go kill Kinnear. But instead, of course, Kinnear killed the shit out of Jack's brother. So then when Jack comes, everyone is very cagey about it, including the girlfriend because she pimped out the daughter, the daughter because she's all messed up, and then also Cliff and Kinnear. So everyone has reason to hide things from Jack, which is why he ends up killing all of them except for the daughter. And <laughs> exactly. except for Kinnear. Why does Kinnear not get killed?
1: Well, Kinnear gets, I guess, framed for the murder of Margaret. So he's going to be in prison.
0: Yes. And, he, and Jack also sends the... Um, the child pornography right, to, to the police, the vice squad. So presumably, Kinnear's going to jail for a very long time. But it still seems weird that he's the only one who's not murdered.
1: Yeah, that's true. I wonder if it's because I think they say that Eric is actually the one who made the porn. So maybe like he's the one who was more responsible. Perhaps I don't know. But then again, mm. to me. I feel like they were stand-ins more than they were characters. So who cares? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he
0: definitely hated Eric the most, and the book would elucidate that with flashbacks about their life. Um, But you know what? So that's a basic plot. Um, It's (laughs) let's get into uh, the depiction of women, and I'm going to start with a question question to you. So this whole thing hinges on um these men acting violent out of um, deference in protecting a young woman who may be both maybe either of their daughters they don't really help her in any no. way do you think do you think the 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 misogyny that uh, uh that that Do you think the misogyny that Jack Carter displays throughout the movie to the other women in the film, particularly Edna and Margaret, Edna, who boy, um, do you think that is, A, supposed to, on purpose, on the filmmaker's part, to show how bad a guy he is, to um, be in contrast, comic, like, darkly comical contrast to the fact that he thinks he's protecting doing this all to protect a girl meanwhile he's treating these other women horribly or do you think that the majority of it is just a product of this being a crime movie made in
1: 1971 uh I think it's probably I definitely don't think it's the middle one I think actually watching the scenes with the women uh I would be hard-pressed to find them that much different from comparable scenes in James Bond movies mm-hmm. uh, from the same era. Especially the way that he uh, talks to both Glenda, I think, who's like the Kinnear's girlfriend. Oh, God, I
0: forgot Glenda. Yeah.
1: and edna i guess is the landlord lady like you
0: can't have a glenda and an edna <laughs> uh,
1: yeah i don't know is, is her name edna i don't know yes They're... no
0: you're right edna is the woman who he boards with and glenda is Kaneer's girlfriend who's also cliff's girlfriend <laughs>
1: Yeah, so there are all these things where he sort of approaches them in a way that we would perceive in current movies as semi-rapey and non-consensual, but then they find it actually irresistible and end up fucking him. So, I mean, that's icky when it happens in a James Bond movie. It's also icky here. If you, I guess if the filmmakers wanted to say that they were going for some, like... You know, they wanted to show how vile he was, maybe. But I don't know that actually that tracks with the way women were depicted in other movies from the same era, I suppose. I also feel like that I'm not sure how motivated Carter was by anything that happened to Doreen. Uh mm-hmm. I think he was upset by that, but I think he mostly just wanted revenge for his own purposes, uh, perhaps to avenge his brother, perhaps because he just hated these people. Because as we mentioned, he doesn't really his brother hated him. So I'm sure they didn't have that good of a relationship. So maybe he just wanted to settle some old scores and. And the reason why I say that is because the Doreen character kind of disappears from the movie. I don't think we see her after the reveal of the porn at all. So No,
0: I'm, we very much don't.
1: So, yeah, so I don't know whether that motivated him as much. So, I yeah, it just seems that I think it would be kind of easy to say oh yeah I mean this is also another way that this man is bad but I don't know that it necessarily tracks with what we've seen from movies of that era I suppose yeah that would be my take
0: I'm torn I do think it's purposeful that Doreen vanishes because it's somebody I mean he's so when he kills Glenda, he's uh, he's um, well.
1: Well, he doesn't, he doesn't kill save
0: her. Glenda. He doesn't kill her. He <laughs> purposely doesn't save her and seems to enjoy watching her drown. He put her in the trunk of the car after realizing she was in a, a a porn movie with his daughter. She didn't seem to know, or maybe niece daughter, maybe niece. She didn't seem to know that they were at all related, or she probably would not let him wa- watch that movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then he puts her in the trunk of the car and then other gangsters knock the car into the river and he purposefully does not save her.
1: Yeah, um, I suppose. I don't know how much she could have been saved by him at that point because he was standing fairly far away and high up. I mean, and, he. But was, yeah.
0: I I do think he's he's depicted as showing as having um, I, I think it's kind of, his relationship with Dur- Doreen is actually kind of interesting in that I like that there are just hints that she may be his daughter and I like the idea that he has affection towards her but it's very stilted and it's clearly because he knows she might be his daughter but he also wants nothing to do with her like do you well do you think the invitation for her to move to south south america with he and anna was genuine he doesn't seem to like try for it that hard
1: yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't thought of it. I could see it being genuine. I suppose, but maybe he only suggested it knowing that you would not want to do it. So it might be one of those things. Yeah, I don't know. I think.
0: I think he. I don't think he knew she'd say no, and I think there's probably there's a, probably a part of him that is felt like he had to say it and is f- very happy that she says no cuz it's like again it's we're best case scenario it's your 16-year-old niece worst case scenario it's your 16-year-old daughter she has yeah. no one no f- parents left and he's just like you should come live with me and she's like i don't know and he's like okay
1: <laughs> but he- i also yeah i also wonder if he if he kind of sees her as a troubled kid and maybe just wanted some way for her to get out of it or offer her some way out. I can see that being, you know, he's a motive clearly, for him.
0: He's clearly enraged when he watch when he sees the porn and sees she's in it. And he then right. violently attacks Glenda, which I don't believe he was planning to do beforehand.
1: Right. Um, yeah.
0: So Why do you do you think he's furious because um, she helped helped in the abuse of his niece daughter? (laughs) Or do do you think like he views Doreen as an extension of himself partially and not her own person? Or is it just that this seems this seems to prove that she was in some way involved with um, his brother's death, even if she doesn't realize it?
1: Mm, I think it's either the latter, or perhaps it is also just Doreen. He sees her as something that was his, much like his brother, and he probably doesn't like it being violated in the same way. So it could just be a possessive thing as well. Well, yeah. Uh, so
0: I I find the the Doreen relationship uh fairly nuanced and interesting i want to point something out that i noticed um there are two people who are i'm pretty sure not mentioned on the wikipedia plot synopsis and um yeah i'm pretty sure that's true and Obviously, the Wikipedia plot synopsis was not written by the filmmakers, but I think it's very interesting who these two people are. These two people are Edna and I think his name is Keith, the young guy. So oh. the two most innocent people whose lives are ruined by Carter are not list- are not mentioned at all in the plot synopsis.
1: We don't care about them, innocent people. Well, it's what so that's
0: the thing. It's like I definitely think the filmmakers want us to be like to like Keith and be and be horrified with what happened to him and how Carter treats it. And I think it's interesting that clearly fans of the movie, whoever well wrote the Wikipedia, like like that that just didn't register with them how much of a monster Carter is there. (laughs) But my my how much uh this comes back to then the treatment of Edna, who I think. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll get to Margaret. I mean, the Margaret is, at least, Margaret is treated so horribly, but you can yeah. say, well, she did something. Edna did nothing. No. Edna is just this woman. Carter comes and boards with her. Um, uh, uh, she's this cool, swinging lady, um, and he and she seems to be a little flirtation with him, and he takes advantage of this by... What? Okay, we'll get to edit in a second. Let's start with Britt Eklund. <laughs> Britt Eklund. This is so convoluted. Sorry. Britt Eklund, third build in the cast.
1: Which is she so is funny, considering she's fiance. in two scenes.
0: Two? Well, I she, thought it was just one. She's mentioned in the second scene.
1: Oh, When we I thought find it was, out she's
0: we, probably getting beaten to death.
1: I thought we saw her at the beginning of the movie. I might be wrong. Also, I think she's actually the... She's the girlfriend of one of the Fletchers. Oh, that's...
0: Yes, yes. We find that out during... So, Britt Eklund's one big scene is that she's mentioned as a fiancé that he's planning on moving to South America with. Um, He calls her up, purposefully in front of Edna... The woman running the the house then has phone sex with her this is Brent eklund's only scene uh he tells her to get naked and masturbate she does this for a while i did think the filmmaking with edna on the rocking chair was very funny um but then we get the reveal that she is the girlfriend of jack's boss that old that old standard
1: but also that kind of Back to my point of just, like, I think they're, when, w- when they depict his relationship with women, I think they are doing something that's more, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of, yeah, like, tongue-in-cheek, like they did with that scene with Britt Eklund, mm-hmm. and... uh so and again, the first scene where the he and Edna have sex, where he kind of approaches her, in a way that I think we're supposed to see as sort of funny and sexy, but it's not. It's kind of rapey and disgusting. Like looking back at it,
0: had we already seen Keith at that point? Keith uh, uh, in his uh, no. This is right after she'd been beaten up and Keith is kidnapped.
1: Which one I is see, Keith I'm, again?
0: I'm torn. <laughs> I, I I am torn, and I think you're very very likely right. So he leaves to go chase down a lead, um, and he leaves Keith with this guy Thorpey. Keith and and Edna in the boarding house with this guy Thorpey that um, they're holding him. They're holding him like hostage, and he leaves them. These two are not criminals. He doesn't care what happens to them, and of course the people Thorpey work comes uh, works for comes. Um, and beats the shit out of Keith and uh, and Edna, and takes Edna uh, Keith off to beat him up some more. Yeah. Then um, Jack gets back, finds out Keith's been kidnapped, uh, Edna asks what he's going to do about it, he clearly does not care, she asks what he's going to do about her being beaten up, he does not care, and then when she is about to call the police, he then, you know, quote-unquote seduces her, whatever. I don't So the, the James Bond comparison is is a good one because there are scenes like this in like Sean Connery, James Bond movies where he is violent towards women in a way that feels very much like the filmmakers are like, this dude's a man's man. Sometimes he's got to slap a lady. Yeah. Um, I'm torn about this scene I kind of watched, there's a part of me that thinks he is supposed to be frightening. However, that w- if that is the case, it's certainly undercut by um, the very quick reveal that, oh, she certainly enjoyed that sex. She had a great time.
1: Right. And also, I think later on, uh, when the thugs come to their house again, and they escape through the back alley... Uh, she seems to be totally okay. He, she asked her. I think she asked them. Uh, so what are you gonna do about you know those people breaking into her place? And and he says something nonchalant, and she was like, "Oh, okay." It it seemed like such not a reaction of a woman who's actually traumatized by her mm. experience. I At thought, least that's how and I, I read I might, it.
0: I th- I might be wrong, and this might read into how we're reading this these interactions um i thought their last interaction was her saying are you coming back and him saying sarcastically and cruelly why wouldn't i
1: yeah i guess was that also- was that earlier I think that is, I think that's actually, yeah, it's right. Like she says, when are you coming back? Which to me was the wrong question to ask. I feel like well, if yeah. I were Edna, I would not want him to come back. Well, not- and the fact that she's asking him when he's coming back makes it seem like she wants him to. It, it's w- it wasn't when like are you're are not coming com- back.
0: It's not when are you coming back, and I might be wrong again. This is our last interaction. It's not when because I it has to be something that sets up that line of like why would why wouldn't I? The joke being like like uh, why wouldn't I want to come back to you, beautiful? But it's sarcastic. It's like a why wouldn't I, you gross pig? Like mm. it, to me, I thought that like and she's like, are you coming back? Like first off, she's scared for her life. I assume she's only cl- the, the most. If you really if you want to give the movie the benefit of the doubt and I probably shouldn't be doing this you could say that the movie knows that she is clinging to him for safety and that it leaves on a cruel note to reinforce how cruel he's being to her but I might just be trying to <laughs> trying to rationalize choices that feel dated and feel less like the characters being cruel rather than the movies being cruel. Right. And that's the big difference with all the other violence, all the other violence that isn't that is directed towards men when it is gross and and mean, it's clear that the movie wants it to be and is making a point by doing that. When it's that violence is depicted towards women and it's frequently it's sometimes crueler than it is towards the men. The men usually get it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, The Margaret and Glenda deaths are horrible. Yeah. Um, uh, So Glenda's the one who's drowned in the car. Margaret is the one who pimped out the daughter, was kind of like her stepmother. Uh, He tracks her down in a dark alleyway at night when she's um, walking home from hanging out with friends. And he forces her to go to Kinnear's house. who Kinnear's having a big party. And he then injects her with an overdose of heroin. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. First, he makes her strip naked.
1: Yeah, I was going to say. That's the real. That's it's so humiliating he sort of he reserves that only for her and to I guess maybe it's justified in the sense that she's humiliated Doreen so maybe that's I guess some sort of justice in that sense and perhaps also knowing that he wants to incriminate Kinnear with that maybe it makes sense for her to be naked but you know, yeah I, there was something cruel about it as you watched it for sure
0: there's definitely that's definitely something he's doing he's trying to he he is trying to give everyone a ironic thematic punishment that matches how they wronged his family members And I think the movie kind of downplays that because that does make him seem a little too much like a superhero. But if you think (laughs) about, like, the most obvious one is that he forces Eric to drink a bottle of scotch, which is what Eric did to his brother before they made his brother drive off. He makes um Margaret get naked before he shoots her up with drugs that kill her the way she like the way she um, tricked his niece daughter into doing porn uh, child pornography but then he also you know he maybe that's why he doesn't kill Kaneer he ruins Kaneer's he gets Kaneer or he does creates a lie about Kaneer the death of Margaret the way Kaneer created the lie about Frank committing mm-hmm. suicide and driving into the river. I think that's probably the idea. I don't know why, how that explains him stabbing Albert Swift to death two times in the stomach. But uh, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, that's true. I'm not sure. Well, maybe it's how he stabbed Doreen in the vagina. <laughs> Does that Wait. work? Because oh, he gross. was in the porn.
0: Gross. Wait, was Albert Swift in the porn?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the guy oh, in the porn. Oh,
0: that's okay. Yes, he was the 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 father figure in the homeschool porn. Yes. So, uh, that makes sense. Okay. Of course. Oh, right. then yes, that is why he stabs him. I think that is, that is the
1: idea. Yeah. I suppose that makes sense. I think another way that uh, the women get sort of depicted differently than the men is that uh, so Glenda uh, after she picks him up from the garage Uh, And they go on this romp is when they use all of those, the most sort of flashy and glamorous filming techniques, I feel like in a way that takes you the most out of the violence of the movie. So they have these... Uh, stylish shots from uh, like looking at the back of their head as they are driving a car. Then they have those uh, montages of her uh, hand on the uh, the gear shift and also like intercutting that with them having sex. And it's all just very flashy and glamorous Uh, as opposed to sort of the supposedly very gritty experience that the filmmaker wants you to have.
0: Yeah, it's... At the same time, there is no comedy in Carter's character. There is, throughout, a tongue-in-cheek nature to the editing. Yeah. Um, We see it in the rocking chair scene where... Uh, Edna is getting horny, rocking back and forth while listening to Jack have phone sex.
1: But see, again, it involves a woman. It's never really tongue-in-cheek when it involves uh, dudes. So the
0: other examples are after he has sex with Edna, there is, we see them in bed underneath the very bizarre and I I doubt realistic, like, uh, you know, it was like a Bible quote, like pin, pin up like painting thing. (laughs) You know, people like, I'm sorry, I'm not religious. They have like Bible (laughs) quotes in like cross stitch, head framed and her there. The one over the bed says, what have we done? Which I feel like is not something anyone would buy to put (laughs) in your house unless you want it to be ironic. Um, But then the other is, um, the intercut of uh, the uh, they intercut, they crosscut between intercut crosscut. I don't fucking know between um, uh, uh, Glenda driving real fast and using the throttle and them having sex. So right, you're yeah. right that well, can me we, can you think of any any time they used similarly tongue in cheek editing? Um, If with the men, I mean they also the the poker scenes a little than
1: like the opening credits, I guess, but I'm not sure if that counts necessarily. Well, the chase
0: scene of Thorpey is pretty, you know, is 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 filmed in that more kind of like like the scene with Mm. Glenda driving up and down um, the parking deck, which I found like very exciting. Uh, um, Yeah, because I also know what that feels like. She drives (laughs) very quickly while drunk. Uh, around and around and around up the levels of a, a parking deck.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I also know that like filming in cars was way more difficult back then because of the size of cameras. So that was probably a very uh, impressive scene. Yeah. Um, But that kind of flashy, exhilarating, that that kind of filmmaking you'd expect in a more like fun and bouncy crime thriller. You also do see that in the Thorpey chase scene where he chases him into a really dreary looking teen disco, which I found very funny.
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot that scene.
0: (laughs) Uh, But you are you are right that. That comedy in the filmmaking is more prevalent in the scene in the scenes with the women, or with sex at all. Because really, the first time you see it is when they're looking at porn on the projector screen right at the beginning. Oh yeah. And whichever Fletcher brother has the remote that is changing the slides on the projector, like his hand is for the most part blocking the most pornographic images
1: right except it, the, austin power style top
0: of a penis yeah <laughs> austin power style um
1: but so yeah i'm not there. sure what to make of it
0: i don't know well i at the very least i think we both agree that the violence there's violence throughout the movie that is very ugly it is the violence towards the women that is the only time where where I felt and I think you you definitely felt mm-hmm. that the filmmakers are not necessarily in agreement with us about how violent and ugly the scene is.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah and that's Yeah. That's it. Let's talk about Sylvester Stallone.
0: <laughs> so this movie was remade in the year 2000. Have you seen the the Sylvester Stallone? Uh, uh, get no. <laughs> Neither have I. So I don't know how long we're going to talk about it. But I will say this. Um, uh, it is, I've watched a few scenes. An incredible <laughs> cast. Um <laughs> So, Sylvester Stallone plays um, obviously the Jack Carter character. Michael Caine returns <laughs> as Cliff Brumby. Although the, the character is changed so that Cliff Brumby helps him out at the beginning, but then at the end is revealed to be the mastermind. It's that kind of thing.
1: Oh. Um,
0: the character, who I guess is the equivalents are a little different because the plot changes. Rachel Lee Gook. Rachel, e. Gook. Rachel e. Cook. Rachel Lee Cook plays um uh plays the Doreen character. Um mm. let me look this up. They have a wife. Instead of Margaret, they have the widow of uh the brother who is played by someone memorable who I While I, you're I...
1: looking this up. Can I ask how many of them affect a cockney accent?
0: It is or ne- I guess a northern
1: England accent. <laughs>
0: No, did you think it was set in England?
1: Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think that would be fun if it were. I, I would I would watch this movie if Sylvester Stallone actually does an accent in it.
0: Ooh, this is super interesting. Um, no, uh, it's in Seattle. Oh. and um, uh, Stallone is a Las Vegas gangster who works for the Las Vegas uh, organized crime.
1: Uh, less exciting.
0: Um, Well, how about this? In 1972, MGM released, MGM, who also released this in America, released a another adaptation of the same book, which was a blaxploitation version.
1: Oh, yeah. Hitman. And
0: it it starred Bernie Casey and Pam Greer. Um, uh, Oakland Hitman. So it takes place in Oakland, uh, returns to Southern California. Tyrone Tackett is his name. For the nice. funeral of his brother Cornell, Cornell left behind his wild daughter Rochelle, who rejects Tyrone's offer to live with him. Tyrone befriends his late brother's business partner Sherwood Epps and stays in town to investigate the death. He's threatened by gangsters, tell him to leave town, but they've threatened the wrong man. Uh, Pam Greer plays Gazelda.
1: I don't. Zelda. The plot
0: synopsis is very short and does not mention. I'm gonna. I have to guess that's the Glenda character, and, and the character is probably bigger.
1: Yeah, I suppose. Um, that sounds like maybe something I would be more interested in seeing, perhaps, <laughs> than the Get Carter remake.
0: So, um, okay, so here's I, here's the cast. I got it up now. Um, Miranda Richardson plays the Widow. Mm. Alan Cumming plays Jeremy <laughs> Kinnear. Oh, God. Um, Eric Pace has become Cyrus Pace, and he is played by Mickey Rourke.
1: Oh, yes. I did hear he was in this.
0: Um, uh, Con McCarty, who's one of the, um, in this version, London, but in that version, Las Vegas gangsters who come from, uh, Carter's boss to, uh, to make him, to try to get him to return home, back to the city. Yes. Uh, that character is played by John C. McGinley.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there's some other fun people Johnny Strong, uh, um, Gretchen Mall uncredited oh. as Audrey, who is the Anna character, the Britt Eklund character.
1: Oh, so I guess she might I not remember. have.
0: Is Anna the name in the book or the movie? I, I can't remember, but whatever. The fiancee who was oh, only in one scene. Oh, the name is Anna.
1: Yeah, it's Anna.
0: It- And the boss character, Les Les Fletcher, who in this version is only heard as a voice on the phone, is played by Tom Sizemore. So very year 2000. But not as year 2000 (laughs) as the editing choices. Because this is, hey guys, have you heard about digital editing? It's all the rage. (laughs) It's a hot new thing. Um, If you watch clips, the movie is filled with jump cuts for no reason. Where when I say jump cuts... I mean, they literally just took random frames out of like a crane shot, Mm. Um, but it's not as bad as the trailer, which for some reason is done entirely with blue color tinting that is so repulsive that if a whole movie looked like that, it would be unwatchable.
1: I wonder how much of that was inspired by Steven Soderbergh, though. Because the Limey came out the year mm. before, and that had a lot of jump cuts and some tinting in the frame and stuff. And that's kind of like a Soderberghian thing, I suppose, to have that color in the frame. So I wonder if they wanted to do that. Plus, the Limey has a very similar story. I would argue a much better story uh, uh, than I would Get bet Carter. you're right.
0: I would bet your th- that 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 is. I mean, um, that was around the time that uh, a digital color correction was just starting, and people <laughs> were obsessed with it. I mean, um, uh, the first film fully uh, color corrected digitally is um, *O oh, Brother, Where Art Thou*, oh,
1: and I yeah. do think
0: I, I think that movie's so gorgeous. I think there are a few scenes where I'm like, okay, it's a little much, too much um, sepia. But it was. I mean, it was a new tool. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, maybe that is true. I've actually never seen Limey.
1: Oh, you should watch it. It's like this movie, but with like, you know, good characters.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I think at the end of the day, that's probably where we differ is that I, I, as gross as they were, I enjoyed the characters, which helped me get, helped me stay engrossed in the mystery. I did find the mystery interesting. Um. But I would say the barrier to entry. if you are, I mean, we've completely spoiled the movie, but it's still worth watching. If you are at all interested in this movie, the barrier to entry is, uh, well, put subtitles on for the accents, <laughs> but the other barrier to entry is how okay you are with how just repugnant... Every and unre- irredeemable. Every character in the movie is.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think for sure. I mean, I guess I can't say that that was the re- main reason why I didn't enjoy the movie. But that is de- definitely a hurdle for some, I'm sure. And the limey also to recommend an entirely different movie has also morally repugnant character. I there are very few characters in that movie that are good, <laughs> Uh but. Uh, still works really well. So check out the Limey too, maybe ahead of Get Carter if you want to watch both.
0: <laughs> well, uh, uh, should we? um We did our, ooh, that one, that one, uh, play well today section already in mid review. So mm-hmm. would we like, should we move on to other things you've seen this week?
1: Sure. I will mention one another. Oh, this sure. would not fly again. It's, mm. uh, a non actual gender politi- politicky thing. It's more that in the end, when there's a corpse riding inside a coal bucket in sort of <laughs> gondola style into the sea, and then the coal just gets dumped into the fucking water, <laughs> and and it seemed like this is how that apparatus worked. For why I have no idea. Maybe it was coal like residue or something that they did not need in the production of coal i do not know i will say it would i would hope this would not fly <laughs> in our world that we live in these days is this
0: a first for for this uh, this category this section uh segment where we're angry about the environmental issues in the film
1: yes uh this <laughs> <laughs> yeah this uh segment was brought to you by greta hi Greta
0: great (laughs) our listener (laughs) she's actually produces this show uh
1: but yeah John let's move on to stuff we've seen what have you seen oh
0: I did sorry I did I I wasn't looking at my notes this whole time so very quickly that cross stitch did not say what have we done which that would be insane it said (laughs) what would what would Jesus say Same thing. But then again, I guess people who are very religious will get something that just guilts them the whole time. And then the other thing to go to reinforce that whatever this movie thinks about the depiction of women, um, the era it was made definitely had some thoughts about violence towards women because Margaret's death is in the trailer. (laughs) <laughs> like the the part where he forces her to go out in the woods, which is one of the most like unpleasant scenes. I mean, the trailer is literally just uh, a supercut of all the death scenes, but it's still like no matter what you you thought you really wouldn't put your main character Appearing, looking like he may be about to rape a scared woman in the woods in your trailer, unless that's what the movie was about.
1: Right. And, it's also... The, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I I also wonder how much say the filmmakers had in the trailer, because obviously we know that the filmmakers usually are not the ones cutting the trailers, and sometimes the trailers are being cut against the explicit wishes of the filmmakers. So I wonder if it's one of those things where maybe MGM or whoever made the trailer wanted it to seem like this cool gangster movie, which is why they did super cuts of the deaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if it also was set to like some cool music, like pop, 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 pop. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, the trailer uh, definitely <laughs> makes it seem um, uh more fun. I, right. And I'm not saying the filmmakers made this. I'm saying this more reflects on uh society that, this that the the marketers were like oh this scene where our 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 character's got a gun is forcing a woman to take her clothes off people gonna want to see that
1: yeah exactly come in for (laughs) for the women murder stay for the more women murder
0: You know, I, I got to say, as loopy as we were at the start of this podcast, I think we dove pretty deep into this movie.
1: That's true. I thought this would be a very short one. And it seems like it's not going to be. Yeah, how uh, about
0: that? No, we, no we're, uh, fuck it. Yeah, move on. Quick, move on to the next uh, segment. But what recommendations do you have other than the Limey?
1: Uh Oh, yeah, I guess the Limey, which I, I have seen... Two years ago, most recently, uh, at a screening that w- that was followed by a Q&A with Steven Soderbergh, mm. who was a uh, delight, as always, one of my fil- favorite filmmakers. Great dude. Uh, so I would recommend <laughs> anything by Steven Soderbergh. And I guess also Steven Soderbergh does this thing at the end of every year where he publishes a diary. With, I mean, it's mostly a list of every pop culture thing that he has consumed for the year uh and it's usually a delight to read through so that's kind of nice try to find that somewhere in the internet it exists
0: Uh, i think i think this would be more interesting than a recommendation of every steven soderbergh movie what steven soderbergh movie would you not recommend
1: oh uh let's see which one do i i guess full frontal is not that great I suppose, so maybe don't watch that, or at least don't watch that at the beginning of your Steven Soderbergh exploration. Start with Sex, Lies, (laughs) and Videotape. That's a great one. And Um,
0: I'm gonna say, watch The Nick, because The Nick was great, and more people should have watched it. It was on Cinemax, which was a bummer. Uh, But it's great. There are two seasons, and there's some kind of revival happening.
1: I think it's on HBO Max now. Yeah, it's
0: now on HBO Max. So you can watch it, along with Get Carter from 1971. That's true. Uh,
1: The only other thing that I have actually seen in the past week is uh, a Russian movie from the 1960s. It's called The (laughs) Diamond Arm. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. You probably need to have a reasonable knowledge of Soviet culture to really enjoy it. Because while it's very slapsticky and visually funny, I feel like my favorite jokes in it are sort of wordplay and cultural jokes from the time. Uh, But anyway, I showed it to three friends who are not Russian speakers, and two of them enjoyed it. So... (laughs) Diamond Arm it's on YouTube with subtitles if you're interested
0: cool 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 um yeah the, again I haven't <laughs> I, have, I have no recommendations um I've been watching many movies but I am watching uh, the current um documentary about uh, QAnon on HBO uh Q um Into the Storm is I think the How title is of it that is that good I think it's great I think it's great. I think a lot of people have been disappointed by it because they expected they expected the documentary to be more about, you know, the people who follow it. Mm-hmm. And that's not really about the what the documentary is about. We get interviews with uh, QAnon believers um, and really enough because all those stories are so similar um, I had no purpose in my life. Then I started following bullshit on the internet. Now I've alienated all my friends and family. So now I just keep reading this dumb bullshit and I, I've i lost all connection to reality and anything that would bring me back. There's only so many times you can hear that story. Sadly, it's the same story over and over again. Um, but what it much more is, is a story... And, and this is confusing people. People are like, why is this a story about the creation of 8chan
1: oh so it goes into that australian dude or whoever who um well there's the guy in the philippines right yes Uh, yes and then there was the thing anyway you guys should watch this there's also a very good reply all episode about it our sister podcast
0: (laughs) Are you talking? Are you? You're talking about the Watkins. Or are you talking about uh, Frederick uh, Knudsen? Is that his name? Uh,
1: I think I'm not sure. Anyway, I feel like I know some about this, but not enough to actually talk about it in, in an engaging way in a podcast. So maybe I should stop. But it's an interesting story.
0: Yeah. Well, the the documentary is making very clear that um, so much, uh, so much all this QAnon stuff, in addition to. Uh, The the conservative ghouls, the conservative ghouls who actually have power that helped foster this online discontent. So much of this is born out of uh, fringe Internet culture of the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. And um, this actually makes the documentary uh, really good companion viewing with um, Feels Good Man, the documentary that also came out this year about um uh Pepe Pepe the frog and mm-hmm. its uh, creator whose name i forgot uh, the creator of the uh the comic strip series that it's from the something boys oh god damn it whatever i i only watched a movie about the history of it um You're but bad uh, with that names. movie yeah that movie also <laughs> traces um traces alt right culture from uh, to incel culture, to Gamergate, to incel culture, to Japanese chan sites. So mm-hmm. both of these conservative, uh, populist, uh, fascistic movements have similar um, similar breeding grounds and yeah. do it does create a very they create very interesting companion pieces and so far i've only seen i think four out of six episodes of the uh, hour-long ep- episodes of the QAnon documentary um they're releasing them two a week um but so far i've really enjoyed that and i really enjoyed feels good man which i think i might have recommended already on the show so they're you both have
1: great. double wreck
0: double wreck all right veronica I think uh, it's very possible Mm -hmm. that next week we might be watching a new movie. Now, I know what you're saying, listener. You're saying, no, John and Veronica, you only got your first dose of the vaccine today. You definitely are not ready to already go into a movie theater. I agree. (laughs) But I think it's very likely that next week, the number one movie at the quote unquote box office will be... I forget who comes first in this title.
1: I think it's King Kong versus Godzilla.
0: Well, it's definitely they they kind of dropped they've kind of dropped the King.
1: Yes, so I think so it's just it's Kong, Kong versus
0: it's either Kong versus Godzilla, whatever, the fucking King Kong Godzilla movie. You know what it is. Um and that is also will also be streaming same day on HBO Max. So, if, which I have to believe is going to happen that movie is number one at the box office next week then we will be doing our very first 2021 movie episode
1: yay it's actually godzilla versus kong i was entirely sure. wrong sure
0: <laughs> um and uh if that's not number one then it will watch the actual number one movie if it's available to stream or we will watch something from the past again
1: Exactly. And who doesn't love the past?
0: Also, it's very possible we'll just watch Godzilla vs. Kong anyway, just because if we keep doing only past episodes, we're going to start running out of movies that are in any way memorable.
1: That's true. Unless you really want us to talk about either Hop or Spy Kids, in which case, email us, dear listener, and let us know.
0: <laughs> Don't do that. Go buy a ticket to Godzilla versus Kong so we can talk about that. But don't watch it in the theater because it's not yet safe yet.
1: Man, I don't know, unless
0: I, you got your vaccine like a month ago, then it's probably fine.
1: I feel like we're setting an impossible morality trap for our listeners.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, as uh, as you all deal with that ethical quandary, yes. uh, Veronica and I have to go to our kissing rave.
1: Yes. Oh, Fun. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm practicing my kissing uh moves already. All
0: right. Mm-hmm. Kiss kiss mm-hmm. listeners. A toot.
1: Mm-hmm. All right.
0: And toot toot. Toot
1: toot, <laughs> toot, toot everyone. <laughs>